Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The Opinion Line on Quartz 96 FM. Good morning to you. I hope you're well and uh, I hope the day has started well for you. It's Gareth O'Callaghan here for PJ for the next couple of weeks on Cork's 96 FM on the Opinion Line. And uh, our text number, as you've just heard there, is 0833 96 96 96. Well, uh, I got one of those calls, you know, the call where you, you, you get and you think, I'll always remember where I was when I got that call. I got it yesterday evening, around about 6, 6.15. And very, very, very sad news. And there's only one big story dominating all of the front pages. Every single page of the newspapers this morning. And that is the tragic, unexpected death of Sinead O'Connor. Famous for so many reasons. Not just as an icon, but also as a beautiful singer, songwriter. As a woman who was not afraid to speak her mind. As a woman who revolutionised the country in so many ways that really it's only now when we look back that we realise what Sinead did very bravely that a lot of people didn't want her to do that a lot of people ran behind closed doors and didn't want to listen to but she just kept blasting away and boy did she make a change in so so many ways Uh, The Irish Sun, nothing compared beautiful photograph of her I would imagine it's the photograph of her back in 1990 singing nothing compares to you Uh, also the Irish examiner's front page story black and white photograph beautiful photograph again and Tom Dunn writing on the front page of the examiner this morning he says she wore her troubles which seemed so often overwhelming on her sleeve I think that is one of the things she has so enamoured her to the Irish public she was ferocious but frail and honest with it. I think if there's one line that will resonate this morning for me, that's it. She was ferocious, but frail and honest with it. Beautiful tribute in the examiner. As there is indeed in all of uh, the newspapers today, Irish Daily Star, Sinead, her name blasted across uh, the front page this morning. Tributes pouring in from all over the world. Uh, The Daily Mirror, nothing compared to you, Sinead. A photograph of her, beautiful photograph, taken, I think, probably around about 1978, 1997, should I say, 1998, when she had a full head of hair. And I don't know whether, I think think she looked beautiful without the hair, but I think she looks equally beautiful with the hair. Um, Some gorgeous photographs, the Irish Independent, Sinead, Irish Daily Mail, probably my favourite photograph, vulnerable, powerful and pure. Uh, death aged just 56 a mesmerising talent who bared her heart and took on the world the London Times uh, lovely photograph again Sinead O'Connor the Sydney Herald uh, the Denver Post the New York Times they have all uh, allowed their front pages uh, 
as a window into the world and into the heart and soul of an incredible woman. And I think probably one of the most beautiful and most eloquent tributes this morning is in the Irish Times by Una Mullally, one of my favourite writers. She says, To rattle through biography is almost trite because O'Connor's meaning supersedes mere linear achievements. Her defiance was red hot. Shaved head, leather jacket, Doc Martin boots. She had the bravery to be authentic in an inauthentic place, a place that tried to hide people such as her, that attempted to sideline bolshy women, that demeaned female sexuality, and that rejected rebellionists. What are they talking about Ireland? Surely not. Uh, Una Mullally goes on to say, in recent years, O'Connor was embraced in new ways. Irish society caught up with her and people were liberated enough to openly comprehend and appreciate her greatness at scale. Sinead O'Connor was right. The love was real. And uh, that's a pretty, pretty red hot tribute from Una Mullally in the Irish Times today. Now, uh, just in case you've just switched on and you haven't heard, Sinead O'Connor has died at the age of 56. Gosh, what a young age, prompting grief and tributes for a singer who enchanted and at times, bravely and rightfully so, shocked the world. Uh, Jim X, Jim X Comet, former music shop owner, he's on the phone to me now. Morning to you, Jim. Good morning, Gareth. How are you? I'm very well. I was only talking about music shops and record shops, and those were the days when... Those were the days. They were. You know, Jim, it didn't... And yeah. We'll come back to Sinead in a moment, because I think Sinead is very much a part of this. I saw her vinyl, actually, in Golden Discs the other day. Yeah. So it kind of things are shining again in that respect. But a music shop, a record shop, it, it was one of those places, it was like the, 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 the TARDIS, Doctor Who's TARDIS, or it was like the transporter in the Star Trek Enterprise, where you it stepped was, into... Uh, and you were, you were transported away to beautiful, happier days, weren't you? You were, I, I think a record shop was never like an ordinary shop. It was more like a place within the community that people would go to congregate to be around music and to be around the stuff that was happening around music at the time. And it was as important to be in the shop to talk about a record as well as buying it. You know, you, you, you had all this kind of thing, you know, people would go into record shops and hang out there for hours without ever buying a record, but they'd just talk about records all day or they'd look at what was on the wall, what gigs were coming up, who was playing with who, who was listening to what, what was new that was coming in and stuff. It, it, was, it was a fantastic kind of community hub, I suppose, mm. for the best way to describe it. How, you know, and how did you react, Jim, to the news last night? I'm sure you must have been shocked. I was absolutely gobsmacked, to be honest with you. I was in my office at work and I just saw a mess. I, I, I briefly saw a message in my phone and I kind of did a double take. I said, no way. But yeah, I'm abs- absolutely shocked. It was um, the poor girl, like, she's 56. She's way too young. And, and, and she, you know, it, it's just the journey, her life journey has gone into such a dark place in the last 10 years and, you know, a lot of it has played out in social media, which is a cesspit as well. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, her son died tragically in the last 18 months and I don't know how you'd get over that as a parent. You know, it, it, it's just a very, very, very sad day. Yeah, her last you social know? media comment, uh, it, she posted it on the 17th of July and... Uh, it says, hashtag, lost my 17-year-old son to suicide in 2022. 
And then she goes on to say, been living as undead night creature since. He was the love of my life, the lamp of my soul. We were one soul in two halves. He was the only person who ever loved me unconditionally. I am lost in the bardo without him. And there's a fantastic photograph of the two of them. And he is the spit of her. It's an un, it's un, uncanny how, how alike they look in this. But such a heartbreaking tweet. Really, really it is. is. It is. It really is. You know, my heart, my heart goes out to the poor girl. You know, I, I hope she's at peace. Yeah. You know, I really do. You know. Yeah. I, I, I remember... Um, I never met her. I never interviewed her. I, I was never in her company as such. But I do remember back in the 1990s, I was in the Virgin Megastore in Oxford Street in London. And I had just come out of the BBC because I was visiting a couple of friends in there. And I was walking back up, heading towards Tottenham Court Road to get the tube back to the airport. And I was in just going through some stuff. You know the way you're looking through CDs yep. and that and you're trying to yep. sort of pass an hour or so um, and there was a young woman standing opposite me going through CDs and she had a hoodie and the hoodie, the hood of the hoodie was sort of pulled down low and I knew it was her and yeah. I, I always remember somebody saying to me that if she's on her own be careful she may not want to talk to you you know and I walked yeah. over yeah. to her and I said Sinead rather than saying are you Sinead I just said Sinead and she looked up and she says what are you doing here? I said, probably the same as you. I'm just trying to pass an hour. And I didn't realize that she knew who I was. Maybe she didn't. But oh, that's good. Yeah, and then another day I remember many years ago, uh, I was in Dublin Zoo, a family get-together yes. when we were there. And I, this is a memory I will never forget. Talk about lonely and isolated. She was wandering around Dublin Zoo on her own and she stood outside the tiger cage, the tiger enclosure, and she looked in. The tiger in the cage. Yeah. yeah. She looked yeah. in and yeah. she stared at him and she put her hand against the perspex glass and he came right up to her. And I wish I'd, so I'd, I'd had a camera. It was an extraordinary moment, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that says so many things. Yeah, I, I met, I well, I, I never met her myself, but I passed her in the hallway of the Savoy here in Cork. She was playing at one of the Heineken weekenders with Ja Wobble. And I can, I was debating speaking to her, but then I said, you know what, I, she's playing a gig. She's probably in a different headspace, so I leave her off. But I can remember, she was so tiny. She was so tiny. I remember being really struck by that. Yeah. You know, like, and... It, it it just got me thinking of I mean outside of the stuff she's done herself you know she she did so many great collaborations as well she collaborated with she'd collaborated with him on a track called Visions of You yeah. but she also collaborated with Massive Attack on their 100th Window album in in 2003 and um, unfortunately it was a collaboration that didn't last long because Massive Attack don't do long term collaborations but of all the singers that they've worked with I think she really really suited them oh you know, gosh she, yeah I would say just, so yeah yeah she fitted into them just like a glove yeah. you know she was right out there on the fringe with the sort of stuff that they love and that, and that they indulge she in. She completely was. And, you yeah. know, she, she was a big a big pioneer. She, she was a huge supporter of reggae and hip-hop and world music as well. Yeah. But, I mean, if, if you think back, I can remember the the impact The Lion and the Cobra had in 1987 when it came out. That, that, that was literally on every turntable in the country when it came out. And, yeah. you know, there were, there were so many 
you know, there were so many female singers at the time in bands that I knew who were really, really influ influenced by Sinead and really kind of, you know, it, it gave people a get up and go. It, it, it gave a lot of women who, who wanted to get into music the kind of the inspiration to kind of go forward and do something because, mm. she, you know, she was like that, you know, it was powerful record. Yeah. You know, an and absolutely she, powerful record. She came in on the tail of the Joshua Tree in the United States in 1987, as you mentioned there, the yes. Land of the Cobra. And yeah. I, 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 I don't like to think that they helped to catapult her to the, to, to, the, the, the fame pedestal that she, she very quickly I, I suppose it, if you were Irish at the time, there was always the YouTube platform because yeah. they were so big in 1987 and 1988. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't get away from it. But 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 I do think that she had something that, that not only they didn't have, I mean, she had a depth and a spirituality about her that I think no other Irish artist, maybe with the exception of Van Morrison had, you know, she she, she was up there on a pedestal on her own, I think. Yeah. I love you know? that. And there's a great, there's a great saying. Um, she said, she once said, I can't remember what television show she was on. She said, friends tell me I'm not a terrible person. I'm just not boring. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. absolutely brilliant. You know, yeah. but, but, even even if if you look back at we're, we're just talking about the whole America thing. I mean, when she appeared at the that the Bob Dylan tribute concert in mm. two thousand and three, and she was booed, she was booed for highlighting sexual abuses within the Catholic Church. Sinead yeah. was one hundred percent right, you know. And it's to my eternal embarrassment as it as I'm a huge Dylan fan, mm. and the fact that somebody was booed at a Bob Dylan tribute concert for protesting. You know, I mean, the the irony there is is is, is just huge. very much. Yo, when you, you know, consider like D Dylan, you know, the answers, my friend, are blowing in the wind, and time, oh, yeah, times they my, are changing. Yeah. Absolutely, and the times <clears throat> certainly were at the time. But I mean, uh, if you like, she almost sacrificed. Her, I mean, she was right, but she sacrificed her career in in a way by doing that because the American audiences just turned against her. I mean, I would compare her to Nina Simone in a lot of ways, like that. Nina Simone. Even though she had a big career, she could have had a much, much bigger career had she not been so vocal in the civil rights movement in the 60s. Sinead was the same. Is, was the same. Sinead believed in something and whether it damaged her prospects or not, she was going to come out and say it and she had the courage of her convictions. Very few artists have that when it comes down to it. So true. You Jim, know, Jim, great, yeah. uh, great to talk to you. I'm, I'll have to leave it there. Pleasure talking we, to we, Gareth. Yeah, we've plenty more coming up in relation to Sinead. Some lovely memories as well. But it's great to talk to you, Jim. Take care and have a good day. Thanks. And you mind yourself, Gareth. Take, Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. That's Jim, Jim X comment there. Ken Sweeney is the showbiz editor at the Irish Sun and Ken's on the line. Morning to you, Ken. Ah, very sad morning. Um, which which Sinead and and uh, I think everyone else. I'm, I'm just in complete shock. Yeah, you you would have got quite close to the whole Sinead O'Connor. What would you call it? Library or? or, or I, I don't. I, I I you know, thing about Sinead O'Connor is that she was very funny. I just want to say this: she was a very funny, witty woman, and she loved journalists. And about twenty years ago, she got my mobile, and she kept ringing it. She rang it as. Even a couple of weeks ago, she was ringing it, and she just wanted to find out what was going on and to have a chat. And many, many times, um, you know, we would talk for an hour or two on the phone, and nothing would end up in the paper. Nothing would end up in the paper. She'd say, listen, I, none of this is, is for print or whatever, and we'd laugh our heads off. And I suppose I just have two memories of Sinead O'Connor. One was, um, yeah, I was in bands before I was, a, I was a journalist. I was a musician, and I remember being down 
in the Hot Press Hall of Fame, which was a place on Abbey Street where, where you know, where it was a, the gig centre for a while in Dublin in the late 90s. And I remember there was a Hot Press gig on and the undertones were playing and every big Irish band was playing and Sinead O'Connor was playing. They, this, they could do this because this was Hot Press and they could get any band they wanted and they had a whole bunch of them on that night. And they all played and they all, they all were very loud. And Sinead O'Connor came on singing a cappella and she just blew them all away. How did she blow them all away? The presence, the presence in her voice. You know, they say with singers, do you believe them when they're singing to you? And by God, did I believe Sinead O'Connor. She was just fantastic and she just had that presence. And another little memory was, I remember I was working for another paper. Sinead was getting married in Las Vegas and she told me about it. And, and I, I, you know, I was going to send a photographer and this was Vegas. I'm, I'm a, a Dublin guy, a Dublin reporter in Dublin, and I'm trying to work it all out. And I, I got this photographer, a local photographer in Vegas, an American guy, to go down and take pictures for us, you know, at the wedding of, of the guy she was married, or herself and the guy she was marrying. And when I rang the guy up, he said, listen, oh my God, he said, I'm a huge Sinead O'Connor fan. This American photographer said to me, I'm a massive Sinead O'Connor fan. I can't believe I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be just taking pictures of her after her wedding. He went down to their wedding. Not only did he end up taking pictures of her wedding, mm. when he turned up, Sinead said, we don't have a witness. Would you be a witness? <laughs> <laughs> this American photographer in Vegas ended up being a witness at, Sine at one of at Sinead O'Connor's wedding. Yeah. And that's how wonderful and that's how crazy it was. And when, the, you know, you know, it was... It wasn't always the phone, you know, sometimes could go silent for a long time and you wouldn't hear from her. And then she'd come back on and she'd be funny and she'd be witty. And I mean, she was very, very intelligent and had great insight. And, and uh, I mean, I think that uh, people say, you know, the whole ripping up the Pope on, on American TV, did, you know, did, did that ruin her career? Maybe she didn't want a career. And, and she was one of these people that, you know, uh, you know, in the 90s, there are all these Irish musicians who want to be the next year too. They're all doing everything they can to become famous. And when you have the kind of talent that Sinead O'Connor has, you know, you can't help but happen, you know. Yeah. It can't help. The, the world turns. And she used her platform um, to, you know, to, 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 you know, she was vindicated. The stuff she was saying about clerical abuse, which caused all that trouble on American TV. Later on, we didn't know what she was talking about. Later on, she was vindicated. And I saw her many times playing many gigs. And every time, she was fantastic. She knew how to, you know, she knew how to stand on stage. She knew how to use a microphone. She she knew how to perform, and she was a great songwriter as well. Was that amazing, uh, unlimited talent that she carried too heavy for her, Ken? Um, I think she had all sorts of issues, that, that, you know, from childhood, which are well documented, which she spoke about many times. Um, uh, I think those things were on her shoulders, and, and uh, she made, but she channeled that through her music, and that's what gave her music that, that you know, that incredible atmosphere that that's what that's what made you know that's what made it so breathtaking her music she channeled all that into it she had those those demons and uh, i mean she you know she you know she some rock stars passed away in their 20s i mean she you know she had so much talent and she had so much interest in music and she made sham nose records she made kind of reggae records she made pop records she got bored with the whole um <clears throat> she got bored with the whole you know, pop star thing on that level, and she wanted to go off and do um, different things, and she wanted to highlight other issues, and she wanted to perform and work with loads of people. And I think, you know, if you look on, you know, Irish artists of, of her era, I mean, she's at the very top. I mean, the worldwide, the whole world, you know, erupted last night when she when she passed away. I mean, there were messages going from all over the place. 
And yet, there's an Irish thing as well. Everybody's mum, everybody's grandmother, everybody's sister, you know, they all feel, they felt, they felt, they knew Sinead, that, that her, her ups and downs, I mean, she just, I remember uh, being in a Hot Press Awards in 1999, again in the Hot Press Hall of Fame, and she came in with, with uh, BP Fallon, and she, at this stage, she'd been ordained a priest, so she came in ordained as a priest for the first time, you can imagine how many heads turned for that, and yeah. You know, she 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 felt that maybe you know the Catholic Church. Maybe if she went you know inside it and became a priest, maybe she could you know change it. And then, of course, she she had her conversion to Islam as well, and she took that very seriously right until the end. But the thing I want to say as well, which you know, I'm just going back over what I said at the very start. She was very witty, Sinead O'Connor. She was very funny. I know there's this vision of a tortured artist and and. You know, the issues she had and the pain that she was often talking about, but she could also be incredibly funny. She never lost that. She did, she she would have you screaming with laughter on the phone, and and I I did you know she did let me put some of that stuff into um you know in, into into the papers I worked for. And she said like you know when she went celibate for a while, she said the whole of Ireland was much safer than now she was celibate and stuff. And she was just very funny, and and I I, I just I miss her, you know. You know, I suppose there's that thing sometimes where you interview somebody and they're very witty and you just think, oh my God, I'm not going to talk to someone that witty now for the rest of the week or maybe for the rest of the month. She had that. She had that intelligence. And also she had, um, you know, she was mass market. This is another thing I want to say. She, you know, she gave me a song about two years ago, um, uh, uh, a song about On the Highway to give away, you know, to on for the Irish Sun's website. Oh, I was kind of chuffed, you know, like, like, mm. You know, just just, and I said, well, why do you want to give it away to the Irish Sun? Why do you want it on our website? And she said, I want as many people to hear this song as possible. I want it on the Irish Sun's website because you've got this massive audience. And that she, that's what she was into. And, you know, sometimes people will say, oh, you know, she was in the papers too much. Sinead O'Connor was a very, very clever woman. She knew how to deal with the press. She knew what to say. She knew what, what not to say. There was never a case that Sinead O'Connor was... Um, you know, was was, you know, was being taken advantage of. I always felt that that you know, she always rang me. She always told me exactly what she wanted to say. And I mean, later on in life, as you know, she became a journalist. She was doing some stuff for one of the Sunday papers, so she found her calling. But she loved journalists and she loved people, and she had that thing where she would just, you know, she would walk around the, the, the streets talking to people. She gave away houses, her own houses, to charity. I mean, it's quite quite incredible the generosity and there's a huge volume of work. And like like with all artists. You know, they leave behind a body of work that, 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 you know, we'll all be listening to and people will be listening to in hundreds and hundreds of years. Thanks a million, Ken. Enjoyed listening no to you. No problem. Thank you very Take much. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Bye Ken bye. Sweeney, showbiz editor at the Irish Sun. Tributes all over the world to Sinead O'Connor, who passed away yesterday. Um, the New York Times says, in shearing her head, quote, she was literally shearing away a false narrative. That was what Alison McCabe said, the author of Why Sinead O'Connor Matters, well worth reading. Um, she told, this is Sinead told Spin in 1991, shaving my head to me was never a conscious thing. I was never making a statement. I just was bored one day and I wanted to shave my head. And that was literally all there was to it. However, she also said the women who are admired are the ones that have blonde hair and big lips and wear red lipstick and wear short skirts because that's an acceptable image of a woman. And because I have no hair, people think I'm angry. You can just see her saying this. Uh, great friend of Sinead's, well-known solicitor, Gerald Keane joins us. Good morning, Gerald. 
Good morning, Gareth. I can hear you. We have you there now. Coming so close after Christy Dignam's death, I know you were a great friend to both of these wonderful individuals. You must be devastated this morning. I am, yeah. It's very, very sad. I mean, uh, I, I would have known both of them on a kind of a different level than maybe the public uh, persona that they exhibited. I mean, you know, I remember many years ago asking them, I wanted to hold a function in Drake Manor to support. Actually, it was the Field of Dreams uh, down syndrome Cork and the Ross Nugent Foundation, and I needed artists. And I approached both of them separately, and they agreed immediately to perform and did so free of charge and were magnificent on the night, you know, with the, an attendance of about 500 people. They were really great. But with Sinead, you know, she was just a, a gorgeous person. The, the, the Sinead I knew was the ones I remember as are coming to stay in Drayton Manor and where I live and, you know, coming down in the morning and she'd come in the dressing gown and make toast and, and, and hot water and sit on the couch with her legs crossed looking at the TV and having a chat. And she, you know, she came across as very, very vulnerable. I always felt, you know, you, you wanted to mind her, if that made sense. You want to put your hand around her shoulder and say, listen, don't worry, because she had a tragic upbringing and, and you don't get away from that. And, and everybody will talk about, which is undeniable, her incredible voice. Uh, you know, 10 wonderful albums. I, I think Universal Mother 1984, when it was released, is one of the great albums in, in my lifetime. And, and she really, I think she did so much for, for causes and dragging people into the 21st century. And she was very outspoken. But the side I kind of spent time with, even when I went up and had meals and drinks with her in Bray, in her home Bray, was... It was a, a very soft, gentle person, very vulnerable, and and you just felt that she needed minding. Um, and I, I do think she was looking for that as well. You know, I mean, I think she needed somebody um, to just, you know, mind her all the time. That's the impression I got when I was with her. Uh, and, and you wanted to do it because she was so gentle and sweet and soft. And she'd never say no. I mean, anything I ever asked her to do, she never got paid materialistic possessions meant nothing to her money meant absolutely nothing to her as far as i could see but she supported many of the causes that i try and raise funds and never blink an eyelid and the only time she couldn't support was because she already had booked or was committed to some performance or gig abroad or in ireland but um you know there's just nothing bad i can say about her you know mm. uh, just a wonderful person very interesting intellectually and very impressive well more read than somebody like me well more uh, knew far more about matters of the world than I did. And uh, interesting to listen to. And you could debate with her. But as long as you knew you were going to lose. I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know if, if you ever had an argument with Sinead, I always had the last word, which is, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Take us back to, the, you painted a, a, a beautiful, perfect picture card, post, uh, po postcard picture there, Gerald, of her sitting on the chair with the, the cup of warm water and the slice of toast in her dressing gown chatting to you. Yeah. I, I, I don't mean to be intrusive, but can you give us an idea of what she would talk to you about? Well, she could talk about anything. I mean, she, she didn't talk about football now, to be fair to her, though she did get into, you know, the sports because of her children. And obviously at this time, she lost poor old Shane, God rest him. My thoughts go to Jake Roisin and, and Yeshua, who are the three men, and all the family. I mean, you know, there's many people, you know, that would love her. But what we spoke about would have been anything from, you know, sometimes, and we spoke a lot, by the way. Uh, she spoke an awful, spoke, uh, uh, she did speak an awful lot about politicians. I, I was a big uh, critic of the 
running the HSE, and she took that on board big time. Where you know, I I, I continue to say that thirty five percent of money in the health service goes on pen pushing bureaucrats and not on frontline workers. Not the money; it's where it's going. She took that on board for a while, and we would talk about. She knew I was strong pro guardy pro uh, police, and she she took that on. But then she kind of balanced it by talking about not giving them too much power. Spoke about abortion. Spoke about. Um, you know, she she didn't go into too much, nor did I inquire in all the years about, you know, uh, the abuse she suffered, because I, I didn't feel comfortable bringing it up, and she didn't bring it up. And we spoke about, you know, uh, the country roads, the Irish people, where we're going as a society, uh, and she had views on, on all that, but they're intelligent views, and even if on some occasions I disagree with her, her arguments were compulsive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were, they were, they had to be taken seriously, because you know, um, she she firmly believed in what she was saying, and she'd done quite a bit of research. She was a great reader, and but you know, even, I remember my my memories is all the times I'd say to her, you know, are you not going to eat the toast? What are you doing with it? She was, <laughs> she was, yeah. This used to drive me demented. By the time she had picked off few little pieces, I already had a bacon, egg, and sausage toasted sandwich <laughs> by two, and, and and she was saying that's why you're fat, uh, you know, and. and this conversation was, was, but she used to pick at the, you know, and that, that wasn't once or twice, many times. She was a lovely cook. She was a great cook, and I had lovely meals in Bray. And, and, and you know, at times, you know, I, when I was with her, she was, she was happy. I mean, you know, I never saw her getting down um, as much as you think. She had a lovely smile, beautiful looking. She was, her voice was incredible. That's all said and done, but my memories were the times we spent together. And she kind of, you know, she'd get into Nepalese food or Indian food or, and, and, and when she got into it, it was the real deal. You know what I mean? I cooked her, I suppose, maybe four or five meals in my time, but they were fairly simple now compared to her cooking. Mm. I, I think anything she turned to, she was a success in, you know? Mm. Um, she wasn't successful in anything. How will you remember her? When you think back, when you hear Nothing Compares or Mandinka, what's the first thing you'll, you'll, you'll think of? Ah, the times we had in, not so much in Bray, because I was visiting and often I wanted to get home, if you know what I mean, because I'd been coming from work. I, I, I would be thinking of the times we shared in Drayton Manor. There's no question about that. You know, simple things like, you know, I cooked her dinner a couple of times and um, she's, you know, I, I, you know, she always had that, she had a kind of wicked sense of humor. You know, she said, oh, that's a lovely meal. And I'd say, you didn't eat it. <laughs> and I, I said, well... You know, I, I mean, uh, it wasn't that well cooked. Um, I thought you said it was a lovely meal. And you were saying that because I didn't want to upset you, you know. Uh, you know, it was, there was a wicked upset to you, you know. Yeah, yeah. and um, if, she, if, if you were her friend, it was unconditional. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. No, she did go through different times. I mean, there'd be times where I'd be ringing her for two and a half months. Uh, not every day now, but regularly, I wouldn't hear from her, you know. Um, you know, it, it, it was a kind of an in-out. I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't actually seen Sinead for probably six months. Yeah. You know, seven months, uh, probably. Uh, but, but, but then you go through this spell, if you understand me, of maybe meeting once or twice a week for a period of a couple of months, and then it was gone again. The, 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 the consistency of, of, of meeting wasn't there. But, but the times we shared were, you know, great. But my memories were of a great matter. They weren't anywhere else, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I am kind of surprised that, you know, everybody recognizes how great Nothing Compares to You is. But really, you know, you could, you could name another eight or nine songs that are just compulsive listening, you know. She's a fabulous singer. And herself and Christy got on superbly well. And, 
they did one and even two gigs I think announced they performed separately as well mm. many times and to lose both of them is, it's uh, kind of difficult hard to understand you know um, if there's one song if you get a chance to listen to it today Gerald it it, it will break your heart but it's Sinead at her very finest and it's from the v- Veronica Guerin movie uh, and it's called One More oh. Day and I, One More Day it's called I think and it's, it's ah. ab- absolutely stunning it really really is well I'm going to do that today I mean I want to thank you because over the years Mr. Gareth O'Callaghan has been a great promoter of Sinead O'Connor many times and, and it's thanks to people like you that we keep the memory alive and living though it's unfortunate we have to do that yeah. we prefer them to be here with us it's great to chat to you Gerald take care of yourself and thanks for Please joining sir. us and you as well thanks, take care. thank you Bye-bye. Gerald Keane there uh, solicitor very well known solicitor and uh, as you heard they're a very very close friend of Sinead O'Connor's beautiful picture that he even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Painted there offer just sitting in the couch, the dressing going on, the picking at the slice of toast and having her, uh, sipping her cup of warm water. Um, Anne-Marie says, amazing lady, rest well with Shane, rest in peace. Esther says, so sad, it's devastating to hear of her passing. Such an amazing singer, she was a genius, rest easy Sinead. And Eric says, to be fair, one of our greatest talents here in Ireland, R.I.P. Sinead. For those who may not have heard, I don't think there are anybody out there, any, there's anybody out there who hasn't heard, Sinead O'Connor sadly passed away very, very young, 56 years of age, uh, yesterday evening. Norma Madden says she had a magnificent voice, Gareth, may she rest in peace. Helena Metelko says, oh my God, this is so sad, I just loved her singing and everything about her. As her song says, nothing compares to you, rest in peace, Sinead. And Rita O'Riordan says she was never evil, just had her issues, don't we all? R.I.P. to a beautiful woman, an artist. Rest easy with your son. That's Mandinka there from uh, The Lion and the Cobra. She performed that live on the David Letterman show, the Tonight Show, actually, in America in 1988. I think it was January 1988. Uh, David Letterman fell in over there, so did the United States. Um, obviously, you know, there was plenty of controversy ahead which would divide her popularity in many ways. But that was a moment that... It was almost a, one of those U2 moments, except it was a Sinead O'Connor moment. Tom Dunn writing on the front of the Irish Examiner this morning. I, I love the way he says, when you were told that she was singing... The best advice you'd be given would be to step back because she sang like no other. Um, the news, he says, is a bitter blow, a true shock. She was a star. She was the reason performers are called stars. The prospect of a world without her is overwhelmingly sad. Uh, there was always the risk, though, she, he says, that she would take out the talent, that voice lurking in the background. If she started to sing, you were advised to stand well back. She sang like nobody else that I've ever heard. It was otherworldly, remarkable, jaw-dropping. We'd love to hear from you if you met Sinead. Uh, and she had a chat with you or maybe you just asked for an autograph or 
uh, photograph in more recent times. Back then, of course, there were no photographs, photo opportunities, unless you had your little old disposable Kodak with you. Tributes all over the world this morning. The New York Times, uh, when she was 15, Sinead O'Connor sang Evergreen, which was the love theme from A Star Is Born, made famous by Barbara Streisand. That was back in the 1976 uh, version with Chris Christopherson, who introduced her on stage later. We'll come back to that. This was at a wedding she was at, and she was discovered by Paul Byrne, a drummer who had an affiliation with the Irish band U2. She left boarding school at 16. She began her career supporting herself by waitressing and performing kissograms. Who remembers kissograms? In a kinky French-made costume. Um, And also in the New York Times today, um, there's a piece there, I don't know whether you remember the TV interview she did with Dr. Phil. But in 2017, she told Dr. Phil that it was because during her abusive childhood, her mother had compared her with her sister, who had long red hair, unlike Sinead. When I had long hair, she would introduce us at her pretty do- as her pretty daughter and her ugly daughter. Sinead O'Connor said in the interview, and that's why I cut my hair off. I didn't want to be pretty. Parents can really do you in, can't they? They can love you forever and ever. They can make you their eternal friend and you there, they yours. But there are moments when sometimes they just don't think, they just keep talking. That's a, a, obviously a situation there that Sinead O'Connor felt would influence her and probably reflect uh, for the rest of her life in terms of how she saw her looks, how she saw her hair, how she saw her soul, how she saw her heart. So much to read about in the papers today. As I say, wonderful tribute from Una Mullally in the Irish Times and also Tom Dunn in the Irish Examiner. And uh, we'll come back to this a little later during the morning. We're hoping to talk to Stuart Clark, who's the editor at Hot Press magazine, who would have met Sinead on a number of occasions. Join the conversation! Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Cook. Now, if you've been with us since nine o'clock, you'll know we we spent all of the first hour of the program reflecting on Sinead O'Connor's greatest moments. There are so many of them, we would need probably three or four weeks to get through them all. Sinead rejected an easy life for one of truth-telling. The uh, front, uh, the the headline on page three of the Irish Times this morning. Stuart Clark is hot press deputy editor, and he joins me now. Morning to you, Stuart. Good morning, Gareth. A very, very sad morning. Very. And when I left you a message last night, I I knew how upset you would be because it was Hot Press magazine that first familiarised me with this amazing, amazing icon back in 1987 when The Lion and the Cobra was... was, It was in the can and things were beginning to kind of take off for Sinead. Um, That's right. My my boss would have actually sort of met her when she was playing with a band called Tonton Macoute and thought she was, you know, the standout member of the band and, and was keeping sort of kind of tabs on her. So there was a bit of a, an industry buzz about it. I, I was on the radio in um, in Limerick in 1987, and someone sent me the Mandinka single from the record company with a note just saying, look, it, it's special. And I played it, I was going, oh my God. It was like, you know, 1972, hearing <laughs> Bowie and Starman for the yeah, first time. Yeah. She sounded like nothing I'd heard before and, and indeed since. And I was just reflecting to somebody that, you know, if you're old enough to remember 1987, it was a man's world in terms of society and, and, and music. But there were, of course, some great female singers from Ireland, but, but nobody who had something so important to say and the determination to say it 
even though it would often be detrimental to their career. She was fearless like that. And, and obviously record company executives were going, oh my God, you've just broken America and you're tearing up the Pope on primetime TV. But she, do you know what? She described herself as a process singer, not a rock star, a process singer. And I can see that, you know, Dylan, Sinead, they were speaking their truths. Mm. I remember the first time I heard Aretha Franklin singing Respect and it, it had the same effect on me as the first time I heard Sinead singing Mandinka. Yeah, it was an incredible song. And it, and it seemed like a sort of a, a feisty, bouncy sort of rock song. But then when you picked at the lyrics, you realized there was, there was darkness there. And then when the, the, the parent album, The Lion and the Cobra, came out, that, that sealed the deal. I was one of the judges in, in, in March for the inaugural Choice Music Prize classic Irish album. And when we all met, there's five of us. There was only one artist who was going to get it. You know, we all yeah. knew it would be Sinead O'Connor. But the argument then was which album. I, I was kind of erring on the side of The Lion and the Cobra. But then I re-listened to I Do Not Want What I Haven't Got from 1990 and Black Boys on Mopeds. And you're kind of going, she was singing about black men being targeted by the police yeah. two years before the L.A. riots, 30 years before George Floyd. You know, pretty much everything she said was ahead of the curve, but right. And I just felt that album, it could have been recorded yesterday. Music is one of the things that dates really quickly. That's great in a way because it sounds like the 60s or the 70s. Mm. But Sinead's work just sounds as contemporary now as it did, you know, 30-odd years ago. And that's a remarkable thing to be able to do. And looking at the spiritual side of her, of her nature, um, you can hear it in her voice, in anything she sings. In fact, in, in the intonations, when you listen to her, when she's passionate about a subject that she's you know she's talking to someone about or an argument or a debate she might be having like what you know when you you as both you know your job as as, as deputy editor and as your your job as a, a radio presenter for many many years but also as your job as a music journalist what is what is it about Sinead could you pick on one thing that jumps out well I, I suppose she was on a journey and people sort of sometimes mocked her life choices. But, you know, she, she said to me, I've got the courage of my contradictions. And she said, I think about life and I maybe feel I wasn't in the right place. It, it, it's a journey. Um, she was passionate. Whatever she did, she gave 100%, whether it was a, a club or Madison Square Garden, she gave it, you know, socks. Massive reggae fan, went to record an album house in Jamaica. I mean, she loved Bob Marley. Um, I, I think it was just that she was determined to be heard, but also to let other people, by extension, be heard. You know, it was very, very privileged, um, Gareth, in, in 1999 to be at the Hot Press Hall of Fame when we inducted Nina Simone in. And we didn't think she'd be able to come, but we wanted to honour her for her work musically and also her um, incredible civil rights work. She, she said, I'll, I'll come. Um, and we thought, who could we get to present the award to her? There was only one person, of course, Sinead. And I was there when Sinead kind of bowed to her. And Nina said, hey, don't be bowing at me, girl. I should be bowing at you. Yeah. And I thought, well, if Dr. Nina Simone thinks that you're the real deal, you're the real deal. Wow. And I remember interviewing Tracy Chapman uh, back in 1989. And she said... Uh, she was here, she was promoting her own album, obviously Fast Car and Baby Can I Hold You Now. They were the big songs back then. But she said it, it was her big ambition at that point in her life to meet Sinead O'Connor. She had such respect for her. 
it was really interesting looking at the weight of tributes. They weren't glib. They were all detailing some encounter. But it was from Jedward to Ice-T. And there was a huge amount of those classic kind of hip-hop bands. So I think regarded her as a kindred spirit, like Public Enemy, another band who, you know, really don't spare any blushes, saying we, we were really influenced and, and, and admired um, Sinead. She opened doors for... I think I've spoken to you before about Dolores O'Riordan. Now, Dolores had quite different opinions on the church to, to, to Sinead, but the sort of bravery to stand up and speak her truth, she often said, I, I saw Sinead and I thought, if she can do it, I can do it. It might not be popular. It might not help us sell records in, in wherever, but I need to say it. And, and she had Sinead there as a bit of a role model, just to kind of like, just, just sw- you know, swallow hard, say it, uh, and, and then it's out there. So I, I'm sure there are kids today in, in bedrooms listening to Sinead O'Connor, even before her tragic passing, who will make music because of her. Yeah. And uh, someone said to me uh, a few years back, she put up some alarming stuff. When I say alarming, alarming to this individual on uh, her website uh, about mental health issues and this individual who would be in the medical profession said to me, I don't think it's wise she's putting that up because she's confusing people. And I said to him, no, she's not. She's drawing people to a recognition that they're afraid to admit to themselves or to anybody else. She's the one who's out here. She's putting her life on the line and she's wearing her heart in her sleeve and she's describing it as it really is because the mental health industry if that's what you want to call it in this country and it's no more than an industry it's certainly not an empathy uh she she was a leader she was she was breaking ground with a lot of the material she was talking about mm. that was affecting mm. her own life mm. i've seen a few tributes i don't want to be political points here scoring those but from people who blocked extra help for refugees in the Mediterranean, Mm -hmm. people who have underfunded our mental health services serially, um, do not fund uh, or or, or look after people with addiction issues seriously. Uh, And their words, I'm afraid, do ring somewhat hollow. It was unvarnished. Some people said that the worst thing could have happened to was social media because she obviously would, would be feeling a certain way and get it out there and she couldn't then retract it. But I think it was very useful for people um you know again you, you feel a bit queasy talking about her mental health really on day like today but it was pivotal because she did struggle she had bipolar and obviously that is what made her career you know more stop start than it otherwise would have been so you, you can't separate the two obviously she's she's much more than her mental health struggles but she would herself say that it informed virtually everything she did to, to a degree so it, it's only honest to talk about it, uh, but but in a measured way, I think today, um, you know, when she was at the um, Vicar Street Awards ceremony, you know, as is her wont, she dedicated that award to Ireland's refugee community. Um, there's been tweets today from people revealing uh, enormous uh, acts of generosity towards the LGBTQI um, community and, and, and the trans community in, in, in particular that weren't publicised. She would do- donate clothes and mementos for for. Raffles to, to, to raise money for people. So she was quietly doing her thing all the time and also loudly doing her thing all the time. Yeah. And as Una Mullally correctly points out, she was doing what an artist on the pathway does, where the journey is the point of the whole journey, isn't it, really? 
Well, I think it is. We all know certain artists that make the record, same record ten times, and they've every right to do that. It's their career. But yeah, she's... I don't want to say it was better in the old days. It was different. But yes, she's one of those artists who's, who has been on a major journey with all sorts of U-turns and detours and dramas and tragedies and, and high spots. You don't tend to get that these days because, you know what, most musicians, before they even release a record, go through media training. They're kind of told, look, you can't upset the conservatives in the Deep South. That's like, you know, X percent of your market. You won't get bookings in, in Texas. You're going to be picketed when you go to Alabama. And, and there is in this business, and I understand why, with social media and, and, and pylons, there's a conservatism, uh, safety first. Why say it if it's going to cause you problems? Safer not to say it. But mm. of course, Sinead couldn't be media trained. No one could train her. Yeah. You know, she was her own person. And she rejected the cynical lie of holiness, didn't she? That, that really has turned this country on its head and buried it. Well, like I say, you know, she, she, she experienced, you know, it was a bittersweet thing in a way, her, her spell in the Magdalen Laundries, um, because a, a kind nun bought her a guitar and encouraged her. But, you know, the fact that she was even being placed there says all you need to know about the island of the 80s. And I'm sorry, the people who are offended by her tearing up a picture of the Pope on Saturday Night Live deserve to be offended, because if they weren't realizing what was going on then or if they did and they were complicit in it and weren't speaking out about it then i mean they, they deserve to be offended and, and, and she was right uh, and again you know uh, to go back to the politicians you know politicians saying oh it's terrible well why have we not fully compensated the survivors the magdalene laundries why are they not seizing church land to pay the reparations you know so uh, I, I hope that we celebrate her music but we also dwell on what she was saying and a lot of things that she was saying are still active today and mm. still need to be sorted out. Yeah. There's a, a beautiful photograph of her at Glastonbury in 1992 in one of the papers this morning, uh, beaming and, and just saying, wow, I'm, I'm here. I can't believe I'm here. I'm trying to think, and maybe you can, you can help me here. Uh, was that the year? She, did she appear at Fela in Thurlis that year or was it the following year? Or was she there? Do you know what? There's a lot my, of stuff memory, I can't remember. My, <laughs> I, I can't remember last week, yet alone 20 years ago. I, I, I do remember her stealing the show uh, when she played Electric Picnic uh, on the back of uh, I'm Not Bossy, I'm the Boss. <laughs> her, her daughter, Roisin, was singing with her and, and the harmonies were celestial. They were just off, off, off the scale. Um, I think something else that gets forgotten about her uh, is how wickedly funny she was. She had an armory of uh, off-colour jokes, including one about the Archbishop of Canterbury, which I, I can't tell you, <laughs> maybe over a pint, but you can imagine. <laughs> and, you know, you'd, you'd be there and suddenly she'd say, oh, before we talk about that, and she'd tell you a joke, and you'd be going like, oh, my God. And, and when she laughed, her whole body sort of convulsed. She had like a, almost a witch-like cackle, and her whole face would light up. And I think, you know, my abiding memory will be probably the, the Nina Simone one, because mm -hmm. that, to me, showed how she, she resonated. Um, but also, in, in March, you could see that she was struggling, you know, her... her beautiful boy Shane had died the previous January but when she was on stage and she was given the award she beamed and she sent a very sweet note to us all all the judges saying how much it had meant to her and I, I just am delighted because sometimes people don't realize while they're alive how much they're loved mm. and at Vicar Street there was like 1800 people deafening cheers and a standing ovation 
And I like to think that Sinead, because, you know, she had her detractors, would have just gone, my God. And I'm sure it, it connected with her. I hope it did. Yeah. President Michael D. Higgins says this morning, he said uh, she had a unique talent and extraordinary connection with her audience, all of whom held such love and warmth for her. I really hope, Stuart, she knew just how much she was loved. I hope so. She was a, a once-in-a-generation talent, and I, I just was so glad to, to meet her. And to, I mean, she was so teeny-tiny but had this massive charisma, and she was a very alluring woman. You just wanted to be around her. When she was like, you know, in form, she was magnificent. Mm. Tom Dunn says in the examiner today, he says, when, you were, when she was about to sing, the advice you were given was, stand back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, she just had this incredible voice. And, you know, you, you could talk about all sorts of things. It does actually come back to the voice, because without that voice, she would never have had the platform she had. That's true. It's great to talk to you, Stuart. See you soon. Thanks a lot. Yeah, pleasure. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. That's Stuart Clark there, Hot Press Deputy Editor. Always a joy to have a, a conversation because you never know where it's going to go with Stuart. He's wonderful. Just goes to show how incredibly popular she was and how universally loved she was. The uh, the Times of London, as they call it, um, they have a, a, an amazing uh, tribute to her and a lovely obituary. Um, Fiona Hamilton writes in the Times of London today, Adam Shanley, a programme manager at HIV Ireland, said Sinead showed huge support for people living with HIV. A very different Ireland then and now, more so with losing her. Uh, Ice-T, the American rapper and actor, said that Sinead, quote, stood for something unlike most people. Wow. Okay, don't mince your words. Tracy Thorne, the singer with everything but the girl, wrote, Oh, Sinead O'Connor, no, that's a terrible loss. What a singer and what a brave, brave woman. Heartbreaking news. And uh, I'm convinced... I'm just talking to Stuart Clark there. Neither of us can remember. I am convinced that just ahead of Glastonbury in 1992 that Sinead appeared at uh, Fela in Thurlis. Fela, wow, there's another story. Amazing. Um, I must tell you the Kirsty McCall story uh, during the rest of the week. We'll get around to that. Mary Higgins is on the line. Morning to you, Mary. Good morning. I suppose we're all in a bit of shock this morning and processing, you know, yeah. like kind of, and I suppose looking at it now in a condensed way and in hindsight, because she hasn't been, I suppose, to the forefront of the media or even music in the last while. So we're all kind of. Really, but we needed people. We all need people like Sinead. You know what I mean? Yeah. She brought us all out of our comfort zone. I think everybody in Ireland, no matter where you, you, we all wanted her to be happy. You know, I think we could see how troubled she was, but you couldn't separate the two. You couldn't just say, "Oh, we just stick to playing music," yeah, because it was all just such a part of her. It was. So, um, you know, was, you yeah. couldn't separate the two, you know what I mean? Yeah. She needs, like, so I suppose, you know, that old saying, like Shakespeare wrote over 400 years ago, great wits to madness are near allied. You know, we mm. we all, we need these people, they push our boundaries, they, you know, they progress, I suppose, society, they progress humanity, they progress everything, but hugely, hugely, usually at huge expense to themselves. We benefit, they don't. That is so you know, true. 
and, and you've described it perfectly. Yeah, you know, what, it's just... Yeah. You, yeah. When you look back, um, Sinead, uh, um, Sinead really came to the fore in 1987. And when you think that that's 36 years ago now, in those 36 years, Mary, what, what do you remember most about her? Um, just the, the beauty of her as a person. You know, so that's just, you saw this extraordinary person. You didn't, you didn't condense it in, oh, she was a great musician. She was, and you know, we, I won't say we, I won't say we tolerated her. You know what I mean? We saw her as a nun, we saw her as a priest, we saw her as, um, Muslim, you know, we saw her in so many different personas, but we still all saw Sinead, which yeah. was the main thing. You know what I mean? She transcended everything she she even tried to be herself. Her yeah. just extraordinary inner person transcended every every aspect of her life. You know, she she was greater than the sum of her parts. Yeah. She she had no problem. She railed against everything she was opposed to. Everything, you know, she yeah. you know, and, and with a humanity though and with an understanding, she didn't just kind of this wasn't just coming from I have this platform, I'm going to use it. Yeah. It was deeply felt, meant, and uh, an essential part of her. And, you know, we wouldn't have had her music if she hadn't had that aspect to her personality, to her life, to her persona. And as I say, you know, we all benefited and she necessarily didn't, you know, you have. And, you know, there's, I suppose, Dolores O'Riordan, you know, we've had um, Amy Winehouse. They all struggled with their mental health, but they all brought a consciousness, I suppose, to everybody. Now, Sinead more than any of them because she would have been more politically mm-hmm. active or, you know what I mean? But they all bring a kind of consciousness of, you know, look, like what Sinead was doing at 21, like I'm a contemporary <laughs> kind of thing of her age-wise. I couldn't have even, you know what I mean? I Imagine being it, like that. Imagine, being, like I would, you know what I mean, wouldn't nearly have had the strength or the courage, you know, she lived by the courage of her convictions, which is, you know, she she was thinking about things deeply then at that stage. Now, maybe her life experiences up to that as well, you know what I mean, mm. gave her a different perspective on the world from such a young age, you know, it's, yeah. but as I say, it's, we've benefited and, you know, she, she thank you <laughs> I yeah, suppose no, is all we can say to today and it's not just thank you for the music either it's yeah. thank you for just being Sinead yeah and you know she was she was sent to one of the most awful of the Magdalene laundries simply because she was caught and convicted of shoplifting at a very very young age now yeah. you know her mother had very serious problems as well back then yeah. so you know, one one thing she said uh, in relation to the shoplifting was, it it just it made me feel good because I could actually eat something that I couldn't afford to eat, but yeah. yet she was punished so badly that it had such a profound effect on her whole life. I, I'm, I'm 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 sorry, Gard, but like, did we all not hear the report into youth mental health services on yeah. the? I mean hello, yeah, yeah, kind of thing. That was then. You know, we all say, oh, that would never happen. It's happening now. It's happening today because we've been told last night in a report that youth 
aren't getting the mental health. That w- the Magdalene Laundry was a solution back then. The solution now seems to be medication or nothing. Yeah. You know, so I, I have has that progressed a whole lot? Who is getting the help now that, you know, are there kids getting help now? You know, are the Sinead's of today getting help? They're not, by all accounts. <laughs> no, no, they're definitely not. They're definitely not. You know, not. so like, kind of, you know, so like, we can't, you know what I mean, say as a society, oh, that should never have, have you know, we all say that should never have happened to Sinead. But how many other people is it happening to who don't have the outcomes and don't have the talent and don't have the the strength of character to overcome it in the way she did to and you know what I mean at 56 you know and living so much of her life literally tortured yeah. torturing herself not torturing and still making life so much better for so many other people it's, so it's extraordinary yeah it really yeah. really is Mary it's yeah. lovely to chat to you and okay. have a good day thanks for your contribution okay. bye now. Bye. thank you bye bye but she was ordained a priest um in 1999 by the Latin Tridentine Church. Now this is a sect, as the London Times calls it, that's not recognised by the Catholic Church. (laughs) Spare me. But she stepped back from the role years later saying she was not interested in causing more trouble or, quote, making a circus of the sacraments. I have to say that I'm still drawn after all these years, I was an altar boy for a long time and I was the only one who could speak the Latin. So I was put on to the parish priest's mass in the morning at ten past eight. It was wonderful because it meant I didn't have to go into school till about quarter to ten. But uh, I can still remember the Latin mass uh, and, the you know, re- responding to the parish priest's uh, intonations and that through, throughout the mass. But it was an extraordinary time. But uh, I think Sinead, as she says herself... Everything was transient. It was the journey. She wasn't interested in the destination. She joyed every single minute and threw her heart and soul into everything. Corks 96 FM. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.